Welcome to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives. I'm your host, Kevin Green. Today, we have industry experts with the insights and perspectives on the latest cybersecurity news that affects your agency and organization. Today, we have Steve Marquez, co-founder of the OpenSSL Foundation. This is part one of our interview with Steve Marquez. Good day, Steve. How are you doing? Great, thanks. Thanks for joining our podcast today. I think we have a lot of great and interesting things to talk about, especially as it relates to... 2014, trying to get an update of where we are with the Open SSL project. 2014, we noticed uh, we were all impacted, I should say, by the hard belief vulnerability. It took the internet by storm. I wanted to have you on to kind of share where we are and kind of get your insights on that. Okay, thanks. Well, the situation prior to the infamous Heartbleed incident for really 15 years or so prior to that, was um, we had a severely under-resourced project, which is typical of many open-source projects. And we basically had one guy doing all of the heavy lifting for OpenSSL. That was Steve Henson. And the way I put it is we had one guy with his finger in the dike. Uh, just didn't have the manpower resources to do um, all the things that you know should be done for such a complicated piece of software. So that's why I, you know, I've said uh, I was quoted back then as saying the surprise isn't that this happened, Hartley. The surprise was it took so many years. I mean, this guy Steve was doing such a fabulous job, single-handed, of maintaining OpenSSL that it was taken for granted for years and years. After Hartley, we were noticed, <laughs> which was both good and bad. The good of it was that we've now have a lot more resources, more than most open source projects. We have the Linux Foundation Core Infrastructure Initiative. It's funding two time, two full time positions, and we've received enough donations from multiple other sources, uh, private sector, uh, commercial companies, to fund an additional two people. So we now have four full time resources that do nothing but work on OpenSSL without distractions. And, even more importantly, they're free to concentrate on the aspects of software maintenance that are the most critical, which is the unsexy stuff. Uh, refactoring code, moving dead code, doing the fuzz testing and source code analysis that doesn't directly produce new features. That's been the major change before and after is that now we are, I would not say we're fully and appropriately resourced. I'd like personally to see at least six full-time positions for a software product of this complexity. But uh, we're in much better shape now, for sure, than we were before. Can you share how the new release is coming along? Sure. Uh, well, <clears throat> the 1.1 release is, the purpose of that was really to pay down a technical debt and by technical debt, I mean that for years and years, uh, the OpenSSL product, <clears throat> because it wasn't sufficiently resourced, there was a lot of band-aids, if you will, shortcuts, band-aids, uh, areas in the code that had been insufficiently um, tested and reviewed. So that's a technical debt. And before we could go and do great things with OpenSSL, we know we had to go back 
do all this unsexy drudge work on the OpenSSL code base. And that's really what 1.1 release was. We uh, removed a lot of dead code. We completely rewrote some critical parts of the code to be a lot more streamlined, um, a lot more readable, and therefore a lot more secure, because the more obscure and uh, complicated code is, the, the easier it is to have security vulnerabilities and, and bugs slip in. We made a number of internal structures opaque, which positions us to do more extensive internal changes in OpenSSL going forward. So the whole point of 1.1 was really to, to pay down this technical debt to give us a foundation, a sound foundation going forward for adding new uh, features and improvements to OpenSSL. With the 1.1 release, were there any major architectural design changes, or most of it just from coding standpoint, refactoring and stuff? Well, we of necessity, uh, we, we did have to make um, API changes, and that means that we normally, in the OpenSSL project, we're, we're well aware that it's a very heavily used software product, and used literally by thousands of vendors, and we know because of the way people scream and yell when, it, when this happens, that if we do anything to break backward compatibility, uh, it's going to cause a great deal of, of disruption, uh, disruption and angst. So we normally, from one release to another, go to great pains to maintain backward compatibility. With the 1.1 release, we had to break some of the backward compatibility. So if you have an application now that works with an older version of OpenSSL, Simply recompiling it against the new OpenSSL is probably not going to suffice. You're going to have to dig into your code and make some changes. But we did that because it was necessary in order to make these improvements and secure enhancements, robustness of the code that we thought was essential going forward. You indicated you have more support now. You have more full-time folks working on the project, which is good. I'm, I'm glad to see that. A lot of folks believe that the more eyes you have on a project as such as OpenSSL, all bugs become shallow, giving large enough beta testers and code developers, almost every problem will be characterized quickly and fixed. Do you think that's the case in general open source software, but more specifically something as popular and widely used as OpenSSL? Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that, and that really is the strength <coughs> excuse me, of open source. Uh, is that feedback from a, uh, a, a large community. And in fact, uh, all along, even going back to the early days of OpenSSL, the feedback from the user community has been uh, very important for the uh, development of OpenSSL. The issue, though, is that it's an extremely complicated piece of software. And cryptographic software is, the, I think, the hardest kind of software uh, of all, because it's, uh, you not only have to code, uh, write the software so that it correctly performs the cryptographic operations, you have to write it to run on a very wide range of platforms with all sorts of complications due to the, you know, different platform architectures. And then you have to take into account things like side channel vulnerabilities, which are not normally a consideration for the you know, most kinds of software products. So because of that, we 
and because of the fact that OpenSSL, frankly, was being taken by granted for so many people, even though there were many, many users of OpenSSL, there weren't that many people actually looking at the code. In other words, we didn't have enough eyeball. We have more now. We'll never have as many as we would like to have. And, in fact, we've noticed a phenomenon all along when we do beta releases of our software. We often get a disappointingly low uptake on stakeholders that are going to be using, that use OpenSSL, and we know will, will be using the new release, fairly low uptake on the beta releases because everyone's just waiting, assuming someone else is going to take care of it. And it does take time and effort you know, to test software. That's the perpetual dilemma, open source. How do you fix this issue? Because obviously it's a potential problem. Several approaches. One thing is for, for the uh, major stakeholders uh, to take more of an interest for, uh, for large companies in particular that use OpenSSL as a, you know, a critical software component, for them to allocate more manpower internally for things like beta testing. And we, and we are seeing some of that, you know, more than we did years ago. Another way is for things like um, uh, the the, uh, the audit, you know, the external audit that was done. That that was wonderful. That of course required funding because it isn't going to happen on its own. We've had a number of uh, because of the publicity and because of the fact that as a uh, more heavily resourced team, we're able to be more responsive to the user community. We are getting more particip participation from the OpenSSL user community. Our, our mailing list, for example, our um, repositories, we have a new, more streamlined process for people to submit code patches and the like. I mean, that is increasing. It's never as much as we'd like to see, of course. So what do you think are some of your concerns that still remain uh, since the foundation started this project to reboot and refactoring OpenSSL? Well, from my personal perspective, my primary role within the OpenSSL project is uh, I, I call myself the consigliere. Um, I'm sort of the money guy. I handle all the paperwork for all the business-related stuff and fundraising, managing the, the funds that we've received as donations. And my concern is that we got a lot of publicity, um, good and bad, uh, in the aftermath of Heartbleed. And as a result, we received um, quite a, well, one excellent benefit was the Linux Foundation Core Infrastructure Initiative support, which we hope will continue indefinitely and which funds two full-time people. But we also received a set of donations in the, in the couple of years following Heartbleed that we basically banked and are trying to spend prudently. And what we're doing with that is fund additional full-time people. Well, uh, we're not getting many donations now, uh, which is understandable because we're not in the news. One that one releases out, you know, everything's kind of fixed. We're certainly in better shape. So we're probably, uh, within a year or so, we're going to lose. Uh, we will have spent down this, do this donation funding that we've, that we've banked. And We'll be dropping from four full-time people, you know, down to three or two, which would be unfortunate. That, that's my personal, my biggest concern. Well, I think that's kind of alarming, given giving the ubiquitous nature of OpenSSL and a lot of critical infrastructure just being used a lot 
and the internet, right? I think that's a that's a concern of mine as well. You have been listening to part one of the interview with Steve Marquez. Stay tuned for part two. Well, I think we have to wrap it up here. We want to thank our guest today, Steve Marquez. We also want to thank our listeners for tuning to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives on Fescue Radio with your host, Kevin Green. Until next time, peace.